0: Hello, and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name is Joe Sage, I'm a producer and mix engineer at Nevis Audio, and I am joined by...
1: Me, I'm Phil Salter, mixing and mastering engineer with Fortis Sound Studios. Hurrah.
0: This is where you usually ask me how I am. (laughs) Joe, how are you? He said, totally unprompted. I'm doing good, mate. I'm doing especially good because we just figured out this is going to be our 50th episode.
1: 50.
0: The half century.
1: Wow. We are I was going to say 50 years old. That's not 50 episodes old. Mm. Hooray. We'd,
0: we'd get a very polite round of applause if it if we were a cricketer <laughs> for 50. Not not anything Lovely. over the top, just very polite.
1: Like a golf clap.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Maybe you wouldn't put down your drink. Just a polite mumble. <laughs> Also as well, just with it being topical, um, I just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, a band that we've had featured on the podcast before, Southbank Crows, who uh, their debut album came out this week. So Hooray. just wanted to give a congrats to them and uh, we'll put the link to their album in the show notes. Yeah, yeah it'll yeah, be we'll there.
1: Will it be a Spotify link there? I'll work that out. So Joe, what are we talking about this week?
0: So we're just going to have a general chat about how... ...the music industry currently is... ...with mm-hmm. the way things are with COVID-19... ...and how it could potentially look... ...what the forecast could be for the music industry... ...in the coming months... ...rather than I think the coming years... ...maybe we yeah. might touch on that a little bit... ...but I think certainly over the coming months... ...because we did an episode I think when it was all... ...kicking off in March... ...and dare I say it... ...I think it was a little bit doom and gloom... Um, other, <laughs> ...in hindsight... We're, we were actually pretty correct.
1: We're always pretty, no, I wouldn't say that. We're often quite right.
0: <laughs> yeah, bizarrely, the pessimism actually was was pretty, pretty on the button. Ho- hooray? Yeah, no, not hooray. But still, regardless, I think now that we know a lot more and we're a bit further down the line, I think it would be good to kind of review what the current situation is like and what it's yeah. going to be like in the future.
1: Where, where we're at. Mm -hmm. So I guess very, very broad brush view of the music industry, it splits into two. And I'm sure many people could go, there's so many more subdivisions than this, but very broadly into two, into records. And that's everything from making music and releasing it and being in a record label, everything like that. And gigs, live music and things like that. Broadly speaking, I think those are the two big subdivisions of the music industry. And they are both in very different places to each other right now. I think it's fair to say.
0: Yeah, I think that's very fair to say. I think although both were initially shocked, I think it's fair to say one has now started to bounce back quite considerably and is, dare I say it, almost back to normal, whereas one is still, I'd say if anything, in a worse position than it was in March. Um, Which, you know, we're not saying one is better for getting out of the mire than the other, I'd definitely say that people involved in the live sector, if you hadn't figured it out, we were talking about the live sector being in a disarray. I, I, My heart goes out to them. Yeah, that Something really needs to be done. Just on like a personal level with furloughing and stuff like that. But we we won't get into politics.
1: Yes, this is not going to be a, a nakedly political discussion. It's going to be about the music industry, which may be political of itself, but let's not let's not concern ourselves too much with that. Hmm. So I think... The, the obvious place to start to me is talking about the recording side of things first, just because that's where Joe and I kind of operate on a day to day basis, and we, you know, we we know a fair chunk about the live and live scene as well, such as it is. So we can talk about maybe that second the recorded music scene, for another of a better phrase. Um, as Joe said initially, it just shut down like that, like overnight, and depending on which country you live in, depends on how quickly that happened and where that happened. Worth caveating, we are very much talking about Britain. I think also, to some extent, America as well.
0: I would say America's in a very different place.
1: Okay, I stand
0: corrected. We're talking about Britain. America in itself is a difficult. (laughs) That could be a whole podcast in itself. So, yeah, that's just more more Britain-centric, I think it's fair to say. So, for the recorded music scene...
1: Obviously, bands have never been stopping sort of producing music at home. That very much can still be done and has carried on. Although it was very different when you literally couldn't go and see people. But bands found ways to make that work anyway. But it was very much the recording studio side of things that was very badly affected.
0: Yeah. Well, I can talk about that from personal experience. So mm. I can't remember again, to focus on a British point of view, I was actually at a studio when Boris Johnson made that speech to camera because I think, you know, everyone was a little bit wary and especially in maybe early March, there was kind of that advice of, you know, don't make unnecessary journeys, but there was nothing official. So with the studio, it was just a case of, oh, well, you know, let us know if you're feeling unwell. We won't we won't do the session otherwise. But when that that message from Boris Johnson came through where he looked down the barrel of the camera and it felt very serious and it was the essentially the stay at home order. I'm not sure what the exact phrasing of it was. Hmm. The studio owner just went, All right, yep. Yeah, bye. <laughs> and that was <laughs> it was just instantly gone. Just nothing. Everything that I had planned, I had stuff booked well up into June was just gone. Finito. Hmm. I was really worried about how bands would react to it, but I think the dare I say nice thing was it was somewhat out of my out of my hands. So I couldn't turn around and be like, this is a personal choice about not going to the studio or whatever. It's just it, it mm. just physically isn't possible. In the last few months, I'd say maybe in what was it? Early July, June, July, somewhere around there. Early, early, early July, okay. maybe late June. I can't remember. I've, I've, <laughs> I've been working so much. I generally can't remember. It, it you know, the floodgates have opened for me. Mm. As soon as studios have, um, have reopened, bands have have really wanted to uh, get back in the studio. I read a really interesting thing that people said, like, oh, in March and April, um, with all like you know the lockdown versions and people doing home recording are recording studios or producers ever going to be required again? (laughs) Simple answer, yes. As soon as we became available, yeah, it just became a tirade of requests to do work, which is great. So I think it's the reason why we're doing this conversation is we now know a lot more than what we were guessing at in April.
1: Yeah, we do. We certainly do. I think the challenge for the recording recording side of the industry to me is something i was actually chatting with um david thorpe the manager of hell's addiction um i was chatting to him Mm -hmm. quite a while ago about just the whole situation and he very wisely pointed out that the potential challenge for bands is in the whole economy so a lot of people unfortunately are going to find themselves unemployed that is sad but true um at some at some point that is going to kind of really hit and when people have less money they will buy less luxuries and like it or loathe it music is considered a luxury to many people so that is a potential risk that they just there just won't be as much money around to buy this music which is a, a potential sort of coming down the track risk i guess
0: yeah, and I think that will, part of me thinks it will affect the making of music because, let's be honest, a lot of people are self-funding. It's it's excess income is what they're using. So hmm. if they don't have the excess income, they don't have the ability to, you know, afford to go and record. Part of me says that and then part of me says, well, you know, we've been through economic downturns in our lifetime. What is it? Is this number three now? <laughs> We're on. Something I don't. I don't know. But people still wanted to make records in that. I think part of the great thing about art and anything creative is it allows expression and great art comes from difficult times. I imagine great art will come from lockdown and all those kind of things. And all you have to do is look at, I think there's a fantastic documentary called The Last Punks in H, where music itself is damn right illegal, but there is still a thriving punk scene like music does find the way. So I I'm kind of skeptical to think that the recording side will be affected drastically. I think there obviously will be changes, but I do think you know, it's the old Jurassic Park thing of life finds a way.
1: I think with a lot of things that we're saying, um it's worth noting that this is all kind of subject to change (laughs) if there is the so-called second wave if we have to go into sort of lockdown again a lot of things could change but this is sort of from where we're at at the moment
0: yeah and just for my two cents which could look absolutely ridiculous if it comes back to bite me on the backside in a year I don't think we'll go into a second lockdown, but that's for a myriad of economic and political reasons that I will not touch upon. Fiver
1: says there will
0: be. Fiver says there won't. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I think a second wave, not a lockdown. Anyway. Um, I think the side of the industry that has
1: been very much affected, and you'd have to be living under a rock to not know this, is the live scene, which is still all but closed. Um, and has been since March Um, I had two gigs lined up for late March neither of which I went to which was very sad but you know we're here in August right now towards middle towards the end of August and you're only seeing a handful of carefully managed gigs all of which are outside and that's all well and good in the summer but if we're in a similar situation in the autumn and in the winter not going to really want to go to an outside gig so much. So there is I think a sort of coming crunch point which is already somewhat here I think for a lot of venues without an easy answer.
0: Yeah, I was I would say that crunch point has actually already come. So in the last few weeks some really really important venues in Liverpool that have given chances to bands that have gone on to be huge. I'm talking like transatlantic arena bands have unfortunately gone and it's it's really sad I I genuinely felt really upset when I saw the the notices that they were they were going to be gone and I think well we've had the Sam Fender gigs I think is probably what gigs will look like for the foreseeable future where they're kind of socially distant outdoors almost like in little standing I don't know how to best describe them. I think you just Google image it and you'll, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's probably the best way of doing it. And there's pros and cons to that. Like the pros is it's fantastic that the gigs are going to be back. And you're more importantly, employing people in the live sector and giving them work. That for me is the overriding thing rather than maybe bands getting back on stage and fans getting to see the bands. For me, it's the live sector and giving money to those people who haven't had any work and the outlook didn't look great for a long time the cons are that if you see some of the footage especially the video footage the atmosphere is odd so there's there's quite a lot of talking like you can hear it if for me it kind of feels a bit like an open mic at a pub where you can kind of have your own conversation it's kind of a bit background noise. That was just my impression. I'm sure there are people at the gig who will completely disagree with me. And I think the other slight negative is Sam Fender is a big artist, number one album artist. That option isn't going to be available for 99.9% of people where they can do these huge, expensive, socially distanced outdoor gigs.
1: Yeah, because a lot of people maybe... I'm going to use the nice phrase, less knowledgeable people about the music industry will look at that kind of thing with socially distant gigs and go, well, look, it's OK. All these venues can open again and they can all have gigs and sure, you'll just have a few less people in. But that's fine, isn't it? But the the truth for a lot of venues is anything less than 80 percent capacity is going to make a loss. Yeah. Which is, it's a really quite narrow margins for a lot of venues. So it's a lot of them, fortunately, are having to weigh up is uh, can we survive? Is this going to be worth it?
0: Which is what it's coming to at the moment. I think a lot of the difficulty comes from there's no clear end date. Mm. So it's not like they go, right, well, we'll hang on till October and then it will go back to normal. Because I was speaking to bands in march because during lockdown i'm sure if you're listening to this i recommended a lot of people who i did band coaching with to come and listen to this podcast where we did free zoom calls and I just helped people try and figure out a strategy for what is quite a weird time find money in other ways etc they were telling me oh well we've cancelled our gigs and we've booked it for august and it was really difficult for me and sometimes you know i backed out because it's it, it it's quite difficult to have the heart to tell people i'm going i don't i don't think august is going to happen and then you know we might have a catch-up or a different band we would be having conversations in maybe may and they go oh well it will be back by christmas won't it and then when i've been doing studio sessions i've been lucky to do studio sessions with bands that are on quite major labels and they're turning around and saying, well, the big wigs at big labels are saying, well, it, May next year is looking optimistic. They're booking stuff for even later in 2021. So I think that's the difficulty. It's not like you can say, oh, we'll just hang on till this point. It, yeah, it's, um, God, this is depressing. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way. There's, I think that's the difficulty of not having an end point the way to make
1: this positive there is a way to make this positive Mm. and that is a simple question which is as a person who enjoys music which presumably you do if you listen to this podcast or as a band what can you practically do (laughs) because it's very easy to sort of hear these things and build yourself into a sort of depressive spiral but there, there are positive things that you can do to help now there's not masses but it's just very very simple so if you know of a particular venue that you enjoy that is you know your your local venue so my one is in kingston that i really really like a lot of them are doing fundraising campaigns to stay open basically to still be there after the the end of this when they can have gigs again and If you have some money, donating that is a great way to go on a very personal level. But also, as a band, you can very easily put out some messages on your social media and go, hey, you know, this is our favourite venue, or do you remember the gig that we did here on such and such a date? We would love to play here again, but if they don't raise money, they won't be there for bands to play. Something like that. And that is a very, very simple way that you
0: can help. Yeah, I'm also aware that a lot of bands at a local level that might be listening to this, they'll say, well, my main source of revenue is through local gigs and merchandise. I mean, I think we run a poll in our private community, which if you're not part of, please go be a part of, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yep. And I think it's difficult because that is obviously like a way that is was sustainable and it became a clear path to making money if you're a new band the thing i would say is there are other options we've covered plenty of them in previous podcasts about like Bandcamp, patreon all those types of things because realistically streaming isn't a reliable way of making money either but i've said this i think right at the start of lockdown and I'll say it again, because I feel like it's been lost a little bit, is there is no such thing as a bad idea mm. in this kind of situation. Like you can't really go wrong with experimenting with something that is a little bit outside the box, and if it doesn't work, you go, "Oh, well, you know, we tried it. What did we have to lose?" And if it does work, then you go, "Oh yeah, we're geniuses, we've made <laughs> loads of money, we're now the trailblazers, and we will be, you know the most successful band and on the news and all that jazz win-win basically yeah potential win-win i think one of the other
1: things that as a band you can do to help yourself as it were is to keep posting on social media Mm. and i've seen obviously since um, in the UK, bands have been allowed to go to rehearsal studios again. I've seen so many videos and photos of bands just going, hey, look, we're together, we're playing music. We don't know when we can gig, but we're we're still here, basically. um, And that that is ultimately kind of what those posts are for, is going, look, we still exist, even though you haven't seen us playing half a year or so and that that is a really important thing to do um we've had loads of episodes about harnessing your social media and different types of posts you can do on social media and that is a really really important thing to keep up
0: yeah i think it's really easy to go hiding Mm. and what happened to lockdown covers by the way that that gimmick faded fast didn't it i saw one come out just the other week oh did you yeah i mean but the other week i mean we were talking. One a day, I was seeing on various social medias. Medias? Medias. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, I think there was this initial burst of let's do all this creative, wacky content that's like, well, what have we got to lose? Which was great. And some people had amazing success with that because it tends to be the people who did it first and were like, well, we're doing this interesting, creative thing. It tends not to be for people who go, oh, that did really well off that thing. Let's copy it four weeks later. That's why I'm saying that there isn't a bad idea at the moment um, because what have you got to lose? Yes, That's probably what people thought when they did their first lockdown cover or whatever you want to call it, and they had loads of success from it. But again, I don't think this is a time to go really quiet. There's, there's a difficulty because I think the novelty of lockdown is now worn off a little bit and when i say lockdown i'm aware that we're not kind of you know kept in our houses and things are kind of starting to go back but it's not back to normal so i think kind of still trying to do something different still putting some kind of content out there i think is a is a really great way to just keep fans engaged grow our fan base
1: and there's there's loads of ways and means and things you can do. so it's an idea that I brought it before, but I love it so much, and I've very rarely seen it. I've seen I've actually seen one or two people do this is do something weird, like get some kids' instruments and do a cover of your own song using kids' instruments. That would be amazing. I would love to see some of the bands I follow do something like that cause it'd be funny <laughs> basically, and it's as simple as that there's there's loads of other things you can do, like you if you have demo versions of your music you could put that out and go hey you know you all like this track but listen to how it sounded when we first kind of got the ideas down that kind of thing another thing i've seen some people do which may take a braver soul i'm not sure i have the capacity to do this kind of thing is i've seen some people live stream songwriting Mm. that is a very interesting idea if you're someone who really wants to push themselves out creatively in terms of just getting loads of ideas out there then that could be a really interesting form of content but also content for your band as it were
0: yeah there is a fantastic canadian i want to say canadian artist called maddie J, who recently did five days straight of just wall-to-wall producing and songwriting and that went down really well i mean she's also a totally kick-ass artist that goes a long way but if you're looking for kind of like a template for how to do that i think she's a great person to check out and see how she did it and i think the one thing we haven't touched on at all is actually releasing original music Mm. like that now is going to be your biggest calling card that you can possibly do if the whole gigs thing is limited if you're going to be releasing music i'm going to say Between now, so what we're in August, and maybe November, it's probably going to be one of the quietest periods for music releasing in decades. Yeah. This is the best time to break through because it's going to be the quietest period. You've got so much less noise to break through because i think people are kind of only starting to kind of go oh right well let's get in the studio and i know personally all the sessions i've been doing so far are just people who have moved from what i should have been doing in march and april i'm telling people now you know, which is great for me that if they want to work with me it's like yeah november december time maybe that's when i can start fitting you in so i think this is a better time than any to kind of start Producing and uh, releasing original material.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're doing that kind of thing at home, if you're self producing, then that is again just a great source of potential content mm. for your social media, photos, videos, all that jazz. Harness it. Don't think that people don't care about what you're doing. Your fans do care.
0: I, I think the whole live streaming, the songwriting, and live streaming productions is such a cool idea like that i need to see more people doing that i i will be in those streams commenting like positive things i'm not going to be giving abuse but yeah i need to be seeing more of that that's such a cool idea cool so i feel like that is a Hmm. positive natural conclusion (laughs) just because i feel we got off to a bit of a doom and gloom start but yeah i think to kind of summarize that this is probably the best time in a very long time to be releasing original music there are difficult times at the moment difficult times ahead but out of out of bad things good things come and innovators will 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 be the ones to break that so if you can be one of those you're on to a winner as always we've got the survival guide community so if you're struggling with anything whether that be how to make revenue don't know whether to do releases it's the best place to put it because we'll throw our two cents in we've got loads of other people industry people who will throw their two cents in as well as well as loads of other bands who might be you might be able to bounce ideas off yeah it's a very supportive place it is yeah so cool yeah we will uh hopefully see you in there yes so until next time it's goodbye from me
1: and goodbye from me.
0: ciao, ciao, ciao.